about to get really good. I'm not just talking about in the service. I'm talking about in America. When I don't, I really don't care for uh, these prophetic, quote unquote, voices in uh, in the world talking death about my nation. Because what I'm seeing is not invasion and collapse, but I'm seeing the Lord. I've seen Him restoring that American uh, pride in freedom and, and a restoration of, of the, the obsession with letting people be people and letting them be the them that they are and, and letting the world be free. So you can, you can hate on your nation all you want, just don't hate on mine which means you got to move out of mine if you're going to speak death over it. I'm going to talk about hope. That was just a side note. I was just kind of sick of hearing a bunch of people talk badly about America. Um, I want to talk about hope tonight, and it's actually something that, that gets kind of neglected. How, I mean, you can probably count on your hand how many times hope has been preached in the last five years in your hearing, right? We talk about faith. We talk about all sorts of things, but... Hope is kind of neglected, which I don't like that. So I'm going to change that myself. Truly hopeful people do not hope that something will happen to them. They expect a good thing to not just happen, but to track them down all the days of their life. Hope is not a thing, is not a passive, oh, I hope this happens. It's, it's a violent thing. Uh, That's Psalm 23, by the way, that goodness and mercy shall follow me or stalk me, track me down like a hunter all the days of my life. That's the hope that we have. Truly hopeful people do not hope that something will happen good to them. They expect good things to track them down. Hope is confident expectation. Hope is terrifying to the terrifier. The one who wants to make you afraid, it's terrifying and and fearful for you to walk in hope. Hope is, a, is the peace bringer for the oppressed. Hope is the harbinger of grace. Hope is the default modus operandi of the saints. You know what that means? It means that the way that things happen, the way that we think about things in the kingdom is hope. And hope is foolishness to the analyzer. In fact, we can, we can actually trust hope. Has anybody else ever gotten so stuck in analyzing a situation that, that you can't actually enjoy what's going on in it? And, and then somebody comes and they're like, hey, just put your hope in the Lord. And you're like, ah, I'm going to put my fist in your face. <laughs> Thanks, unhelpful. Go, go home. You can trust hope. Turn your Bibles to Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5 says, And hope does not disappoint. In other words, you can trust hope. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given, who was, who was given to us. Hope doesn't disappoint. You, you, you grab hope, and you're going to get what you're hoping in. Paul says that hope doesn't just disappoint, but it, the reason for that is that hope, that there is love. 
Because where, where fear of the future is present, that is actually evidence of the ab- absence of love. Let me say that again. Where fear of the future is present, that is evidence of the absence of love. Love hasn't done what 1 John 4.18 says, that there is no fear in love, but perfecting love casts out fear. And the one who fears is not perfected or made perfect in love yet. If you've got fear, it's evidence that you haven't encountered the hope that comes from love that Paul's talking about. Hopelessness is actually a lack of received love. If you knew how loved you were, you would have hope that the one who is love is going to work everything in your favor. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs thirteen twelve. How many times have you heard that in the last six months? Has anybody else been hearing that in like every sermon and every tweet and every Insta whatever? Like it is just everywhere. Why? Because this, this is what the Lord's on right now. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Let me break that down for you. Having something deferred, like your, if you defer your, your loans, your student loans, Lord help us. If you defer those loans, that means that you're putting it off or delaying its influence in your life. Now, if you apply that to hope, hope, hope is going to bring sickness or death to you if it's deferred. If it's, if its influence on your life is deferred, if it is delayed, if you push it outside of the realm of uh, affecting your immediate attitude and experience, that's when it brings death. Hope that doesn't touch your now brings death. because It brings that, that heart sickness sickness because it causes us to act in the flesh we act in the flesh because uh, it's from the tree of evaluation you know you got the two trees in the garden you got the tree of knowledge of good and evil and a lot of people are like oh it's a tree of knowledge it's the tree of being too smart no it's not the tree of being too smart it's the tree of evaluating is something good or evil it's evaluating it's the tree it's the tree of of evaluation of analyzation and the opposite of of analyzation and the, the thing that brings death, the opposite of that is life. But hope that actually pulls the future fulfillment of your desire into your immediate presence and your, your experience now, that is when you eat of the tree of life. That's hope that is not deferred. Hope is supposed to say, that's, what, that's where we're going, and I'm so excited about it, and I expect it so much that I'm going to eat of its fruit right now, right here. And it's going to change how I live right here, right now. From the beginning, the choice has always been life or death. The tree of life or the tree of death. The tree of enjoyment or the tree of evaluation. Those are your options in every single circumstance of your life. Every conversation, every relationship, every, uh, every decision that you make, you have two, two things. Choose this day. Choose life or death. Choose in this very moment. Life or death. Somebody says something, okay, maybe I say something really heretical and stupid or not funny and I think it's funny. You can choose in that moment to either enjoy the fact that I'm just kind of dumb and I think I'm funnier than I am, or you can evaluate me and judge me. And then you, you lose on the fruit of what I'm trying to give you. We used to have this thing when I was uh, at Morningstar. We, we, we talked about how there's different zones of worship. 
And I'm not talking about like, oh, we're going into the zone of praise. I'm talking about literally in a room, there's like zones. And like from here to seven feet out is the I'm all in zone. After that, it's the I'm enjoying it zone. And kind of in the back, probably about like five feet this way from the sound booth, that's where the evaluation zone is. And after that, it just becomes a judgment zone. And we, my friend and I, we're joking about it, but we're standing in the evaluation zone while we're, <laughs> we're talking about this. And we're like, yep, definitely analyzing right now. Oh, I am too. Yep. You want to go enjoy it? In just a minute. <laughs> but it's true. Hope that affects your presence is what, you ready for this? Hope that affects our present is what assists us in attracting what will fulfill the desire that God put inside of us in the first place. This is our tree of life, to live in the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You guys tracking with me? Hope is most needed in hard times, which most of us feel like we're in right now, don't we? They might not feel like they're in a hard time right now. They're just like cloud nining it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm good with that. I want people to be on cloud nine. But I know that there's a lot of people that are feeling hopeless, and we need hope. And I think that's why this is why the Lord's on this. Jeremiah 14.8 gives a really cool name of God. God is called in Jeremiah 14, 8, the hope of Israel. Actually, it doesn't even say the hope. It's just hope of Israel. God is hope. It's not, it, hope is not something that we're trying to, that God gives and we try to hold on to this gift that he dropped. He actually is hope. Just like he is love, he is hope. Hope is an anchor in the revolution at the end of the age. That's Hebrews uh, 6, 19 through 20, but we're going to get to that in a moment. The, writers of he- the writer of Hebrews uh, touches on hope uh, six different ways. And uh, she gives us six different facets of hope. Yes, I said she. I believe that was a woman that wrote Hebrews. Um, yes, you can join EJS and hear that teaching this summer. <laughs> Plug. She gives us... Uh, or he, or they, if there's two of them writing, um, gives us six facets of hope that uh, will help us understand it even better. Hebrews was written to uh, the the Jewish people in an Italian uh, church, and they're actually in persecution. Persecution? Which is like persecution, only it's even worse. Because <laughs> you can't even pronounce it right, so you're just like running around, you're like, I'm, I'm persecuted. <laughs> you're afraid. So they're, they're in real trouble like we're like oh my life's hard i can't pay my bills and they're like they'll kill me if i go to church like trump card you win so hebrews gives us six different verses so turn to hebrews because we're going to look at both all both six of them all six of them i'm a good communicator hebrews 3 verse 6 Not Titus. If you have the right Bible, it's on page one. Whoa, 1555, triple grace. Three verse six says, 
For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. That's not right. That's the wrong verse. 3-3. Three, 3-6. Three. Three, but Christ was faithful as a son. Everybody's like, you're not reading the verse that I'm reading. What version is that? But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast to our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. We hold fast to the confidence and hope of, of our, of like we have to, it's till the end. Like our hope pulls us into the future. Hope is the subject of boasting and, and the source of our confidence. It, the words of the people, what, what the writer is, is trying to get at is that we, when we have hope, it comes out of us. Matthew twelve thirty four. out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in you is going to come out. So if you know that your words are not hopeful, you got to change it because you don't have hope inside of you, which means that you're not being propelled forward. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But the Italian church, for the Italian church, hope carried them through to the end. That's what this verse is about. It, it, the hope and that confidence is what brought them through the hard times. You seeing how important it is? Hebrews 6, verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Hope was to be realized. It had to actually have an expression. It had to be manifest in the present until the end by the diligence of those believers. It actually takes, it takes effort to fight for hope. Right? You ever been hopeless and tried to have hope? You got to like beat your brain into submission and be like, no, you are wrong. Thoughts, thoughts, you are dumb. Brain stop. Heart, spirit, win now. Is anybody there right now? This is the, this is the truth about hope. Hope is violent. Hope is not this passive. I hope it happens. It's violent. It goes after things. Hope is active. It, it actually it has to affect the way that you live. It's unrelenting and it's uncompromising because it's so in you and you're so tied to this thing in the future, which we're about to get into, that it, you're getting pulled, you're getting dragged through the muck because of the glory that, that's being you're waiting for. And that's part of hope's power. It, it sees what is not yet as though it already is. When you have hope in, that somebody else is going to, somebody that you're discipling or you're, you're loving or that, that's, that's part of your life, uh, you're hoping that they're going to become who they are. That hope, you don't even see them how they are. You see who they're becoming. And people say, why, why don't you see, like, why would you hang out with that prostitute? And Jesus is like, prostitute? I see an evangelist. Why are you hanging out with those those who smoke and chew and drink and do the do? Like the why do you why are you hanging out with them? I don't see those things. I don't see their actions. I see who they are and who they're being propelled towards. This is why the writer of Hebrews continues on in chapter six, verse uh, nineteen and twenty. This is the, the third one. Uh, hope is an anchor behind the veil with the forerunner. Let's read that. Six, nineteen, and twenty which is on another page for me. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner 
before us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Hope is this anchor, and when you and it's an anchor beyond the veil where Jesus is. Now, if you took an anchor, what what is what does an anchor do? If it's a ship, if I'm a ship and I'm on the, on the floating on on the water, whoa! And I drop an anchor, and the wind tries to pull me. I'm not going anywhere, right? Well, what happens if I accidentally drop that anchor and it gets lodged in the tooth of a whale? And that whale takes off. I'm getting pulled with that whale. What does it say in, in uh, how does it describe Jesus in verse 20? Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner. He didn't just go there first. He's still forerunning, running forward. If your anchor is with him in beyond the veil, in the, in the secret place, you're going to get dragged to where he's going. <laughs> Completely unintentional. If the anchor is attached to something that is moving, then the anchor becomes a tow rope that propels you in the same direction. Hope leads us. Hope moves us, and it will drag you when you want to give up. When you, cha- when you let hope actually change you, it, it's no longer, you're not trying to have a good attitude about something. You don't know how not to. Like, hope actually, it forces your brain to go in the right direction. Thank you. I learned from a very wise person, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, a wise guy. Um, Hebrews 7:19 For the law is this right? Yes. For the law was made uh, has made nothing perfect. And on the other hand there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Hope is actually the vehicle which you draw near to God through. Do you feel far from the Lord sometimes? Maybe not right now. I mean obviously after that kind of worship you you feel real great. You walk out the door and you look at your text messages and you're like, oh, don't feel so great anymore. Hope is the thing that you go to God with. That's what you draw on the Lord through. What we have to do when we, when we are feeling far from the Lord is we have to actually uh, try to return to our hope. We have to go to our hope. You have to return to it. What, what's my hope again? Okay. You have to remember why you have hope, and you have to recite it. And we're going to get into that in just a second. You don't have, it's not just returning to it in the way that you act. It's not just remembering it in your brain, but it's actually getting it out of your mouth. When I was at, at uh, Morningstar, Rick Dorn used to always do this at staff meetings. He would, uh, at the end, he would say, all right, First Peter 3.15 says you need to always be ready to tell why you've got hope. And he would just walk up to somebody and stick the microphone in their face. 200 people, like, I'm talking, not not just like 200, like, normal people, like 200 people who are like giving their lives to building what the Lord is doing in Charlotte, North Carolina, like hardcore people, and you're just kind of like, oh my gosh, and so like, you have to like, give this eloquent, revelatory reason, but it was funny when you would actually do it to somebody who was on staff for a long time and had been seasoned, that they'd give a very simple reason 
I have hope because I know the character of God. I know that he's for me and not against me. We have to give a reason for the hope that's inside of us. We have to actually recite it. We have to get it out of our mouths because it'll change how we act in our lives, which brings us to the sixth key. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Sounded very epic when I said that. Our response to having hope has got to be that we speak it. We must hold fast to tie off on our confession of hope. The confidence in in what we hope in is nothing less than the character of God. Look at it again, 1023. The confession of our hope without wavering. Why? For or because he who promised the thing that you're hoping for He is faithful. The thing that we have confidence in and put our hope in is the very character of God. He's faithful. That's actually one of his names in Revelation 19.11. We have confidence in his character, who he is. It's his character to actually work everything for our good. That's Romans 8.28. So you can go through all sorts of crap if you know that uh, he's going to work it out. If you, if you were on, let's say you got injured in war and you're on, a, on the battlefield and you, a surgeon comes over and, and you're, you're hurting really bad and he sticks his hand right into your chest and it hurts like crazy, your first question is, who are you? I'm the, I'm the surgeon. I'm the, I'm the field medic. Okay, I trust your character. I know that you're, you're here to help me. So even though you're digging into the muscles of my chest and it hurts like crazy, I know that you're trying to do something good for me and it's going to save my life. How much more the God who laid down his life for you? This is why the serpent actually called into question the character of God. You guys ready? If we doubt his character, we will doubt his methods. If the serpent still can get you to doubt his character, then you will doubt his methods and you will buck and you will grind against the gears and you'll kick against the goads and you'll do all the things that, that, that keep you from actually enjoying the ride and letting him heal you and fix your life and work things in your favor. And notice this. What's Eve's confession? She, she says, she talk, don't talk to serpents, first of all. But she, when, she quote, when she quotes what God said, her confession of what he said is wrong. He said, don't even touch the tree. Because she didn't, even, she didn't know his character well enough to back up the hope that she had that he was going to take care of them. And so his character came into, uh, came into question, and so his methods came into question, and so then she gave in to sin and brought us all with them. Because her, her confession was tainted, her response was destructive. So our hope is to know, our job is to know our hope and put it even on our lips, ever on our lips. Prophesy to your circumstances until they line up with hope. The power of life and death are in the hand of the tongue. That's Proverbs eighteen twenty one. 
Let me repeat this from the very beginning. Truly hopeful people do not hope that something will happen to them. They expect good things to track them down all the days of their life. It is in our best interest to set our hope on a great outcome in our lives and in the lives of those around us. It's your job to to expect good things. In our estimation of ourselves, we need to expect great things. Assume that they're going to happen. That's where we give, uh, give the benefit of the doubt to ourselves and to other people. Oh, they wronged me? They, they probably had a good reason for it. They, they still hurt me, and, I, and I'm, I'm not happy about that, but they weren't trying to. I give them the benefit of the doubt. Believing the best in people, because 1 Corinthians 13 says that love does what? Hopes all things. Here's the reality. You don't need hope. You feel hopeless? You're not in need of hope. You have all the hope that you need. Hopelessness is actually a disease of ignorance. Hopelessness is is a demonic amnesia of truth. You've forgotten the things that you have hope in. You've forgotten hope himself. And that's why you feel hopeless. You don't need hope. You need to believe it. It is not the truth by itself that sets you th- you free. John 8, 23, we, we hear this all the time, and, and the world likes to uh, quote this wrong. Even well-meaning pastors <laughs> like to quote this wrong. It's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. To know, that's that word, is it, it means to like, have an, an intimate encounter with. It's the same word that means have sex with. Have an encounter with. Let, the, let, it, let it encounter you. Let it, let it penetrate you and get that seed of truth in you. This might be going too far. You're just going to have to edit it out of your mind or the tape. You have to let the seed of his freedom come into you, develop in you, and birth out of you the nature of his freedom. I'm Vince. The truth is, here, here's the truth. Here, here's the truth that, that applies to everybody. The truth is that Jesus paid for all sin and is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. He is the Savior of all men. Scripture clearly says that. 1 Timothy 4.10, if you don't believe me. He is the Savior of all men. But it is not until someone actually has an intimate, seminal encounter with that truth and allows that truth to come into them that they actually receive salvation and are able to walk in the freedom of salvation. It is the truth that you know that encounters you and that you encounter back that sets you free. The truth of your hope can only be birthed in you if you receive it. You have to let it grow in you and let it come out of you. So how does that, how does that work? How does it come out of you? Just like I was saying before from uh, chapter 10, verse 23, it needs to come out of your mouth. You have to change the words that come out of your mouth, which means that you have to do like Paul said to the Corinthians in his third letter to them, you have to take captive thoughts. And he's talking about something else, but the principle is still there where you have to, you have to let your let your brain be on lockdown and nothing that comes through your brain goes unevaluated from the Lord. Yes. From the Lord. No reject. Take captive those thoughts. 
Because those thoughts are the things that are actually going to come out of your mouth and are going to create an atmosphere of hope or hopelessness, life or death, life or death, love or fear. Those are the things that, that you choose with your words, which come from your thoughts. like I skipped something completely. I did. I didn't. That was all so good. All right, I want you to stand up. I'm going to pray. I, I keep seeing all these notifications. Actually, Shuck just tagged you in, in Facebook. Da, 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 da. I'm getting tweets all over the place. It's good. All right, let me pray for you. <clears throat> I've written down my prayer so that it isn't horrible and off the cuff. Lord, I'm asking that you would show us what our hope is. God, I'm asking that you, you would show us where our hope actually is, both theoretically and in truth. You are our hope. God, I'm asking that you would show us where we have lost sight of hope and we have believed fear instead of faith. We have believed fear instead of love. Even right now, God, I'm asking you to, to reveal where we've lost sight of hope, where we've let fear come in. God, thank you that you've already shown us these things, and you're going to continue to show us these things, but I'm asking you to show up and prove fear wrong, even this week, God. I'm asking for, for foreshadows of fulfillment of desire. God, I'm asking that you'd show up and prove fear wrong. Give us moments in, in this week, in the, in the month to come, in the, the weeks to come, uh, moments in our present to hope in you, reasons to give, to give, give fear the finger of God. God, I'm asking that you would be our hope and that you would remove the things that put our hope, that we put our hope in that are false. Remove everything, not just things, thank you that you've removed things that hinder love. I'm asking that you remove things that hinder hope, that make us feel hopeless. God, I'm asking that you would be our hope and that you would help us to discern when we are hoping in anything but you. And God, finally, I want to ask that you would mark our families and our family, our church family here, with an atmosphere of hope. I'm asking that, that people would come and want to be a part of this church, not because of our awesome worship, not because of our incredible teaching, but because you are here and the hope of glory lives here. God, I'm asking that, that you, would, you would mark us as a community with hope and that people would, would catch it, that the atmosphere of hope that there would be moments and so many testimonies of, of things breaking in at just the right time where you're glorified, your people are, are magnified in this day so that you can be lifted up, Jesus. We love you. Hope of your people, come. In Jesus' name, amen.